Romans, we're going to start with the easy section, (laughs) verses 1 through 6, the easy section, as much as we can, I know. Okay, Romans 7, verses, um, or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on the person only as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but her hu- if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and, <clears throat> and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were, li- for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. So, I'm going to start by going through the verses, and then we're going to kind of summarize these six. Again, he uses that word, do you not know? He's referring to things that they would have known. And remember, most of his readers knew the law. There were probably a handful that were like Greeks that had no reference to the law. But all the most of the people in Rome were in the Roman church knew what the law was, even if they were God-fearing Greeks. They knew the law. Before they got saved, they were... Jewish proselytes, right? They're, or converted to Judaism. So they were following the law. So they they know what this is. And that's why he's saying, you guys should know this. The law only has power over someone when they live. And now he goes into this example of marriage. And you're like, all right. Now, why did he use it in the way, why did he not use the man? Why did he use it as a woman? And so part of it, he said, there is no, there's no example where this works completely because even in the Old Testament law, a man was allowed to divorce his wife. But the wife was not allowed to divorce his hus- her husband. So this is why he uses it in this way, in using the woman saying, she's not free unless, the, unless her husband dies. So... It, is saying that she can't she can't free herself from it. Does that make sense? So that's why he uses it that way. So the woman couldn't get out of marriage unless her husband dies or you know decides to divorce her or whatever. <coughs> um, Was it a man who made that rule that they could divorce their women yes. but the women couldn't divorce the man? That was a that was a man I, I don't, I don't initiated know. act of I don't know if it selfishness. Was, I think it might have been God. Oh, okay, all right. I'm, okay, I'm okay with that. It was it was God's law, right? It wasn't okay because I wasn't sure. Julie, now I am. I'm sorry. I, okay, you said she cannot free herself. Yeah. Is that the word you yeah. Used? I like. I think that's a good way of understanding it. 
and making it that connection with us. We can't free ourselves. We can't free ourselves from the law. It has to be done for us. And same with a woman in marriage at that time. She couldn't free herself from marriage. It was either something that was acted upon her or it was her husband dying. So, and that's why he uses this example. Um, and now you get down to just the basics of this. If you make, you go, okay, her husband dies, she's free. She doesn't, she lives by a different law when her husband dies. She doesn't have to stay connected to him. Um, and then, so we're just going to, yeah, verse 4. He, this is where we make the connection. He says, likewise, you have also died to the law. And the word died here is that you have been put to death. So this is God's action for us or on us that he has put. He has put us to death to the law. So we don't have to be under it, under its authority. We're no longer under the authority of the law. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But if you're no longer under the authority of something, maybe not but, but furthermore, if you're no longer under the authority of it, what can you be under the authority of? Something else. And so he's saying is the woman is no longer, she's no longer under the authority of her husband because he died, so she can be under the authority of another man. And it's the same way. And this is, this is the aspect of it that he wants us to understand, that she's free from that. She's free from him so that she can follow another. And this is what he wants us to understand, is that we are free from the law. And does, this reminds us of we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness in the, in the chapter from before. So we're no, we are no longer slaves. We're no longer under the authority of the law. So no longer slaves to sin, that aspect, and now he's taking it in another aspect, saying we're no longer under the authority of the law, but we're under the authority of the Spirit. Does that make sense? There's a commentary on, on the book here that says, we are not lawless, we are walking in the newness of life. So and that makes a lot more sense to me. Like you're married, now you're married to the law of God, you know, to yep. peace. So it seems like we're we're under some law, we mm -hmm. always will be, and we're under we're slaves to something, we always will be. So mm -hmm. we are always under either slavery of sin or slavery of Christ, or under the law, the law. Or yeah. When God introduces the new covenant in the prophets of, in the Old Testament, He says, "No longer will you be telling each other what the law says, mm -hmm. but God will write." His yes. law on our hearts. Mm -hmm. That's the spirit, mm -hmm. yep. you know, in us. And so this is that was a reference to that switch from the authority of the law to the authority of the spirit in us. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. So, and this is his. This is what he's he's trying to get us to understand is that the law itself is not that we are free from the law and living by the spirit does not mean that we live lawlessly and that was people were accusing Paul's gospel of you are free to live however you feel like 
And he's like, absolutely not. That's not what this is about. Don't you understand? We died to the law, but we live by a different law now, which is the spirit. So we're free from this law, but we are now under the authority of the spirit of God, which is a different type of law. And even more... It's it's freeing from the law from the letter of the law to uh, f- to being able to f- be free to follow God. Yes, and to follow His Spirit's leading. So, um, I feel honored to. I know, I know. I don't understand why God chose me. So, like you know, why did He choose me to be a part of this? I don't know, because I seem to mess up everything. <laughs> you know, you know how you you just know your you know your heart, and so. So he says, you have died to the law, but how? You only have died through the law. And again, he said, to be put to death. So that's an action on us. And it's through the body of Christ. There's not a lot of references in the New Testament that refer to this body of Christ other than communion. And then there's one um, in Second Corinthians, but then in Colossians here. And this is another thing. He's like, now you've been reconciled. Now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. And because he's we talking about death and how God, how Christ's death has reconciled us to God, it also freed us from the law and from the from the law, the Mosaic law, but also the law of sin, which is what we talked about last chapter. So that you are free to belong to Christ, to belong to another. And who is that other? To him who has been raised from the dead. So that is Christ who defeated death in order that we may bear the fruit of God. So the whole purpose is that we would bear God's fruit. He's like, we don't, we're not being freed from the law to do our own wicked things. We're not free to live wickedly, but we're free to follow the spirit. When before we were under the authority of the law, we had to follow the letter of the law and not what was written on our hearts that God put on our hearts. So, I think that's what makes the big difference between, sorry again, the Catholic Church. And there, There's a quote here that made me understand what we were discussing last week about <coughs> Catholics and how the legalistic part of it. And this book is wonderful. I highly recommend it. And it says, uh, the weakness of legalism is that it is sins, meaning plural, mm-hmm. right? But not the sin, which is the root of the trouble. It mm-hmm. judges by the outward and not by the inward. It yes. fails to understand the real purpose of God's law and the relationship between law and grace. And I think that that is where the Catholic Church puts us, because mm-hmm. I was born and raised in there. So mm-hmm. it's not keep us down, chained, Meaning you are not, and they just focus on the outward and the behavior and mm-hmm. the following the, the steps. The law itself so, is no bad. And we have to be careful because as, as not just Catholics, but even um, legalistic Christians mm-hmm. follow in the, fall in the same lines. And so when we can get to that point where we go, sure. we have to find that balance between exactly. following the Spirit and living righteously and doing whatever we want, <laughs> mm-hmm. and being free to choose to follow the Spirit. So, and then, then we're all at different places, and so then we end up, because I'm further along than so-and-so who got saved last week, I don't know why they're still swearing, you know, like, 
you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, you need to stop swearing, and you go, no, I need to encourage them to listen to the Holy Spirit and what what He's working through in their life. So it's coming alongside what the Spirit is already doing. So, which is hard because my heart's like, stop swearing, just stop it. You know, but that's not, you know, that's how it works. Okay, so. Um, so that marriage analogy is to help us to understand this, that you're no longer attached to this part of the law, but you are, part, you are now free to follow God's spirit, which is then written on our hearts. And we will read, oh, oh we're not there, sorry, verse 5. Before believing in Christ, we're living in the flesh or sin, and so this is kind of Verse 5 describes kind of before Christ, and verse 6 describes after Christ. So kind of the old covenant, living under the old covenant and the new covenant. So before, um, so this is living in sin, or living in the flesh, or living under the law, whichever way you want to say it. So he says that he it was aroused by the law. His sin was aroused by the law. Let me, let me read verse 5 just so we have this. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Isn't that nice? So we have the sinful nature in the flesh. Whenever you hear the word flesh, it's talking about the sinful nature, right? That which is there um, before Christ. What's there without Christ is our sinful nature. And it says it is aroused by the law, or it is at work through the law. Another way of saying it, which is revealed most clearly by the law. Does that make sense? So the law reveals it. And the word that we need to remember with the law is that it reveals. He, it also, the word that um, they keep using in, um, is that it, that in the ESV is that it arouses or it kind of stimulates sin. The law does. Just like if I would put a donut in front of Trinity and I said, this is the law. This is what Mike telling you. This is what you must not do. You must not touch it. <laughs> I am pointing it out for her not to touch. What is she going to do? She's going to eat it like immediately, and so this is where it says like the the law actually kind of aroused sin, but we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. Doesn't it arouse our rebellious nature too? Yeah, it does. So, and so this, but this was the purpose of the law is to make sin, uh, so you understand the depth of sin, to make and it says to make sin. So sinful, and I don't. I don't remember how it said in the ESV. Utterly, utterly sinful. Yeah. yeah. So that sin might become utterly sinful. Yeah. So that's in the next couple verses. So, um, but this is at work in my in our members. For some reason, in Romans, he refers to the members as part as the flesh, that which is not spirit, but that which is flesh, that is sin. He's like, so this law was at work in my members. Um, and then what does it bear? It bears the fruit of death. This is not new. He has repeated it over and over again. So he said, starting in you know the first three chapters, he kind of 
explains that. But um, in verse 132, he says, those who do such things deserve death. That was at the end of all of that list of wonderful sins, right? <laughs> and then in, in, verses, in chapter 6, verse 16, he said, we are slaves to sin, which leads to death. And then he says in 21, things that are now ash- that you are now ashamed of, those things resulted in death. And then again, the, what the last verse he ended with, which is wages of sin, is death. So this was not a new concept. He's continuing on with what he's already told us, what happens with sin. And so following the law also didn't, didn't bring life it brought death in the same way that sin brings death alright verse 6 but now in the spirit we are released from the law so we are freed from the law having died to which held us captive so again we can compare it to that slaves to sin he uses the word captive to make us think back to that what he just talked about being slaves to sin. He's like, that which held us captive is our sin. He said, so we've died to that law and we've died to that sin so that we might serve in a new way of the Spirit. So living by the guidance of the Holy Spirit and not by the letter of the law. And Sharon, Sharon um, already quoted Ezekiel 36, 20. 26 and 27 for us, but I have it there because I wanted us to read it. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put into you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my, my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give your forefathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And so he's talking about the new covenant here. Now, the word flesh here is not correlate with the New Testament of flesh. He's saying the heart of stone. This is its own analogy. A new body. He's saying that the heart of stone, meaning that you, you, your heart doesn't even reach out to God. It has no feeling towards God. He's like, I will take that, and I will give you a heart of flesh that does know me, and that my spirit will be living in. Yeah, yeah, that tender heart that feels, that can even reach out to me, when before it couldn't. So, and this is, this is repeated throughout um, the prophets, this new covenant. Um, I had a couple up there, but I said, we just need one. We don't need ten. So, Okay, questions? We are freed from the law in order to follow the law, free from the law, the, the letter of the law, to follow the law of the Holy Spirit or, the li- or to live by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So this is these two laws that he's making, the law of the Spirit and the law of the flesh. Excuse me, the new covenant is through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, though, that I am not here to destroy the law. Mm-hmm. I am here to teach the law. He to fulfill the it. Word made flesh. He's, he came to fulfill the law. 
Right. The, the law doesn't die. No. No. And he's the fulfillment. He he's the Word made flesh. Everything in the Bible is Jesus made flesh. Mm. Right. I took a bite because you were talking. <laughs> You're tastier. <laughs> Good job, Esther. <laughs> um. So. We're going to get to that. Because the next question he's going to ask, but let's summarize this and then we'll go to the next section. Being free from the law does not mean to a life of lawlessness. We're freed from the law in order, to be f- in order to be free to follow the Spirit. So stop bearing fruit that leads to death, but bear f- the fruit of the Spirit, which leads to sanctification and eternal life. And that was from chapter 6 the bare fruit that leads to life. So, you know, it's like you can choose death or you can you choose sin, which leads to death, or you can choose obedience, which leads to righteousness. So the obedience is to who? To God. To the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. To the Holy Spirit. And this is why you end up in other chapters where it's like the Spirit works a little differently in each heart. And so for some people, they said that when I became a Christian, I'm done with alcohol, I'm not going to touch it again. And others that go, it's not a problem for me. And the Spirit didn't convict them of that. And it's, it's, a non, it's kind of a non-issue. And so you have where all of a sudden then these things become issues in the church because you're all living together and encouraging one another. And so, so Okay. So, being obedient to the spirit that is at work within you. Okay. We're moving on to the next section. The next section is 7 through 25. So, let's go. (laughs) I'm just going to, I'm going to read 7 through 11, and then we'll read the next section. Okay. Um, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? Because that's kind of the next question. Aren't you saying that, aren't you equating the law with sin? Isn't the sin law that the law is the same as sin? And he said, by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would, have n- I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it, what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was, I, was once a, I was once alive apart from the law, but the commandment when the command, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. Questions? I have anxiety now. Wait. So is the law sinful? What's his answer? No. 
He's because this is what the Jews are saying. It's like, well, now you're making the law equated with sin, and the law is not sinful. And he's like, no, it's not. He's like, yet there's an aspect that if it wasn't for the law, I wouldn't even know what my sin was. There's a quote I heard, and it, it, it describes that so good. It made me understand this very clear. The law is the diagnostic, but not the cure. So it's like, you don't cure cancer with a biopsy. No, right? it just reveals it. It just reveals. So it, it reveals what's already there. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for that analogy. Well, I found it and it made my... So if I, it, yet if I had not, if it had not been for the law, I would not know sin. Chapter five, verse twenty. Now the law came to increase the trespass. The law was given to reveal sin more clearly. Not that it wasn't there, but that it reveals it more clearly. Now, why does he use covet? And this is something I didn't know. In Jewish tradition, covetousness is the root of all sin, or the core of the law. Which I'm like, I don't know what our root of all sin is. Is What is it? Pride, I think. Probably we would say pride is our root. Pride leads to all other sins. They would say covetousness leads to all other sins. Which is kind of similar, actually, when you start thinking about it, right? Because it's, I want that, I'm, I need that, I'm, it's me. Anything or, you love more than God yeah. is mm-hmm. And that is, I, know, I never know how to pronounce that word, but that is inside. It's not a behavior commitment. It's something that happens in your heart. The covetousness. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, but he says he wouldn't have known what coveting is if it wasn't for the law. So the law doesn't create sin, but it defines it, mm-hmm. or it reveals <clears throat> it for what it actually is. So then in verse 8, he says, now what is this idea of, but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness, apart from the law, sin lies dead. Okay. Let's, let's go through this. So the law stimulates or kindles the sinful tendency, which is already in the heart of the person into more sinfulness. So I was thinking like, okay, the sin is there, but it's like buried, and the law brings it to the surface. Yeah. And so now, and I think I have it on the next slide. Yeah, okay. So I, I wanted to give an analogy kind of from a mother's perspective. So a child who does who does wrong without knowing it and then is told of his error will do the same thing again but in a different manner. Mm-hmm. So I have to go back to Little House in the Prairie and they're rolling down the haystacks. They're sliding down the haystacks and Pa says, you may not slide down the haystacks. And the next day they go out and they roll down the haystacks. <laughs> and they say, Pa, we followed you. We followed you. We obeyed you. And he laughed and went back and rebuilt his haystacks, and he said, you may not touch them. (laughs) Right? And so, and this is what the law ends up doing, is that they they did it without knowing, and then when their error was, was seen, then they chose to do it in a different manner, following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. So, um... 
Furthermore, punishment or rebuke will be more severe for those that know. Right? So, like, my kids, when they do something wrong and they didn't know that it was wrong, the first time they threw rocks in the pool, we're like, you can't do that, okay? The next time, it's like, absolutely not. The third time, you're like, you're grounded for a week from TV. You know, no movies for a week or a month or whatever it was. And, um, well, I think we had dessert because you, Caitlin, watched the kids and they're like, yeah. but bananas yeah. aren't dessert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what? What was that? The girls, we had, they couldn't have, they threw rocks in the pool and we said no. Mm-hmm. And it was the third time and we said no dessert for a week. Mm-hmm. And Caitlin, Brooke's daughter, came and watched the kids and the girls convinced her that bananas aren't dessert. So. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't this is what he's? It, but isn't this show? This shows how the the law can make us more creative in our sin. Sure. I don't think the rocks were confessed. I think there were some other. But were, were the bananas considered dessert? In our house. In our house, yes. <laughs> anything after anything after uh, the meal is dessert. We justify our So we justify it. So um, now I'm not even going to address sin lies dead because I I can't. So we're gonna go. But this is something that helped me. He said we in order to understand this section, we have to take it in reference to Adam and Eve. He's not saying the law now, he's talking about the commandment. So when we think of it, in, and when we refer to it as Adam and Eve, so before the commandment, they were alive. But, provoked by the commandment and deceived by Satan to believe otherwise, they broke it and, and so brought forth sin and death. Does that help us understand this a little bit more? Just having that that in our the back of our minds. He said, when he talks about using the word commandment, they would automatically refer back to Adam and Eve, and the one commandment that God gave, not necessarily the law that came way later. And because he's talking about it once being alive, and so now this section we're getting into is debated. Who is the I? They said Paul, it could be Paul speaking of himself. It could be I as in the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel. It could be I as before we became Christians. It could be I for the Gentile believers that um, are on that were Jewish before they converted. I mean, there was, there was like 15 different interpretations of what the word I is here. I think he wants us to apply it to all. He was a very well-educated person. Yeah, Probably so but the question, the, our question is, who is he referring to as the I? So that's where we go. When you, when you start saying he was once alive, apart from, so before he became, because he was a... Not he was a he wasn't a rap. What was Pharisee. he? A Pharisee. Before he became a Pharisee, was he alive? Before he understood the law, and that's where you go. This is where it's 
it's good for us to, that we're not Jewish, so we don't think our first thought isn't, oh, the commandment, that's Adam and Eve. And so this is where he's, it's good for us to go, okay, what he's referring to here is the first sin. Before the commandment, there was a perfect relationship between God and man, and God gave the commandment, and through that commandment, um, sin seizing the opportunity deceived him and through it killed him. Does that make sense? Mm. My version, I, that's super confusing to me, but I just pulled, my version says that one time I lived without understanding the law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I looked at the different translations, and it's it has the same concept, and so. But this is what it's saying in the in the in the Greek. So I'm like, so it's it has that idea though that before I didn't I'm unaware of my sin. Mm-hmm. So I'm unaware of my sin. When I come to faith in Christ, I'm aware of it now. And so same with the law. The law makes us aware of our sin. And the Spirit makes us aware of the sin, but the Spirit transforms. The law cannot transform. The Spirit is the only one that can transform. The law can only be obeyed. The Spirit transforms the heart. So, it is not the law that is sinful. The law itself is holy. Um, it's righteous and it's good. So the law or the commandment in itself is holy because it was set apart from God. It is a reflection of who he is. And then it is righteous because it can't produce anything wrong. If it is followed, it can't produce wrong, right? So it is righteous. It is God's righteousness in form, right? And then you have, and it is good, meaning that it's positive, but it's also desirable. And so he's like, this is why you read in the Old Testament, your, your law is like honey to my lips. And I'm like, have you ever tried to read Leviticus? I'm like, I don't yeah. know if I feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but what the Holy Spirit reveals to me is sweet to my lips, even when I'm like, oh, I, I'm, this needs to change, and it's going to hurt. Yeah. So... I just yeah. think it's interesting because it says it's righteous, it cannot produce anything wrong. Yeah. And so, but yet, even if you followed it to the letter of the law, you did the actual thing it told you told you to do, but with the wrong motive, then mm-hmm. you're still, it's not producing it. So the, so the action is still not producing It wrong, reveals, but, but it doesn't produce. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It is still revealing an a hard heart. And that's where he says, the, right the problem is yes. it's us. It's the heart. And this yeah. is where God says, it is your heart exactly. that it matters. It's not you following the letter of the law. It's your intention. Yeah. So even with um, Solomon, no, Saul, not Solomon, Saul um, and the, oh, my brain. The am- yeah, so he was the Amalekites. He was supposed to wipe out all the Amalekites. That's what God said. He said, don't even leave their cattle. 
and Saul, Samuel was late and Saul comes and, and Samuel's like, why do I hear this bleeding? I hear it, it's bleeding all over. Why are all of these cattle alive? He's like, oh, we saved the best so we could sacrifice them to God. And God says, no, no, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your obedience. When I ask you to do something, and it was really a good picture for our hearts following the Holy Spirit. He's like, I don't want you just to follow the letter of the law. I want you to be obedient to my spirit and what I've told you. So So even if Trinity didn't touch or eat, that cookie or whatever yeah. it was, but she could be very angry on the inside. Oh, she'd be mad that I left it yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the law is still good in yeah. that situation because it's a gift to have that revealed to us, even right. though it's yeah. fun. Right. Yes, you know, it's still doing a righteous thing. Yeah, and it's interesting as we're talking about this. I'm sorry, I'm just going to no. make one Go. little comment because I feel like this is why sometimes Christians get called judgmental because the law. This is revealing mm-hmm. in our own lives. Mm-hmm sin and so we want to put that on other people who haven't they haven't had that revealed to them yeah but i think it's really a good caution for us yeah Yes. And so, like, even when we start, like, um, in First Corinthians, it talks about the weaker brethren and the stronger, stronger and weaker. And you go, like, what does that mean? It's really those that are more mature in their faith, where these things don't, these certain things don't matter. But the stronger brethren, this, they say, I'm just... Uh, this isn't a problem for me, but I know that this is a problem for Carol. So right. I'm not going to do this mm-hmm. right. because she's not there yet, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's Carol. okay that she's not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming along. It's okay. <laughs> so, anyways, with all of that said, the law reveals, and you can even say that it provokes. It doesn't produce. It doesn't produce, and it also can't produce holiness. No. And it can't, so the law in itself is neutral. The law in itself is holy. The law is righteous. The law is good. It reveals or provokes sin. And sin is the real problem. So this is what Paul is saying. It's not the law that's the problem. The problem is sin, and the law reveals it. All right. 13. We're going to read 13 through... Uh, 13 through 16. Did that which is good then bring death to me? All right, good question, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of the next question. By no means... It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment and through the commandment might become sinful beyond all measure for we know that the law is spiritual but I am of the flesh so the law is spiritual but I am of the flesh sold under sin for I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know 
that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. The devil made me do it. Do you know, it, it's not my fault. It's sin that lives in me. But what is his purpose here? What is what's the question that he's answering? You have no control over it. Is this trouble with sin? Just, it's there. My sinful nature is there, and. And it's constantly yeah. coming to a head. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're like, like, you can't, you can't do it that way. <laughs> right. So he says, what the question he's asking is, did the, good, did the good law, you say it's good, righteous, and holy, did the good law bring death to me? So does the law produce death? No. 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 What produces death? Sin. Sin. Sin, which is revealed by the law. And so the, he's explaining again, this whole section is to explain how sin, how our sin confirms the goodness of the law. Which I'm like, okay. How? The, the, law, <laughs> the law cannot change the flesh, the old me. It only shows me how sinful it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it can't change, you know, it, the law does not transform. Mm-hmm. Only the spirit transforms. So sin produced death in me through the good law. The good law reveals or defines my sin. So the word produce probably isn't the best word. The, it, that it, it prov- like the words we've been using, provoke or reveal or defines, is probably a better word to use to understand this. I would I would use the word illuminate with the Holy Spirit, um, but that's just my brain of definitely using words with associated things. Um, but yeah, it does. It illuminates our sin. So because it was, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a good analogy. So in order that sin might be shown to be sin. So what is the purpose of the law again? That sin will be defined for what it is mm-hmm. as sin, and then through the commandment might be become might become sinful beyond measure, so that sin can be understood as sinful as it actually is, by comparing it to what is purely good, righteous, and holy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So even in our sinfulness, and so then he goes into this. Um, this so the okay. He describes the law as three things, good, righteous, holy, and then in verse 14 he says the law is spiritual. And I can't help but make this connection to the, that I will write my law on your heart and that the law is spiritual. This is the Spirit of God working the law through us. The law, not the letter of the law, but the law which is good and righteous and holy, which is what? If we're being made good and righteous and holy, what is that? That's our, that's God sanctifying us. That's our sanctification. And so I, 
I didn't find this in the commentaries, but I'm like, this is, I really see that as part of the law is spiritual and it's written on our hearts. And the, the law is, is, is not the flesh. And so you have these two aspects, even in the believer's life. Even though this is, it's not, this section is not talking about us living under the spirit. This is talking about us living under the law. And, but there are aspects of it that when we choose not to live by the Spirit, these things come forward, right? And so it's this idea that when we fall back into legalism of following the letter of the law instead of following the Spirit and allowing God to work in His time through us, in, in us, we fall back to, the, to that which is the flesh coming forward. And so that's where you see it in the Christian life. But in this context, he's really talking about the law and the sinful nature. Does that make sense? Okay. Because this was hard for me. I'm not, I'm not totally clear on it, so I don't know if I can explain it fully. So. You're doing great. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. It reminds me of um, Psalm 40, verse 8, that just says, I d- desire to do your will. My God, your law is within my heart. Okay. Yeah. Yes. What song was that? Psalm 40, verse 8. And again, even in the Old Testament, you see, like, he talks about the heart. He's like, this is written on my heart. It's not like I'm following the letter of the law. Because when, Paul, when, when David followed the letter of the law, mm-hmm. he ended up killing his mistress's husband so that he could be covering his sin you know and you go and then when his sin was brought forward his heart was repentant so again that's what was important to the lord okay so the law the law is spiritual then this law that he's talking about is of god and then but i am of the flesh sold under sin and this is where this is how we understand that this passage is not talking about us as Christians, but it's talking about us before we were Christians. But the aspect of us battling with, with the flesh is still there. So this is why Ellie was like, well, this seems really discouraging. Like, you get to verse 25 and you're like, I thought that I was supposed to like overcome these things and now, now I can't do anything about it <laughs> and he said because this is before Christ so so again and sometimes I understand this is my description of me I'm like I don't understand why I do what I do I don't know why I just yelled at my kids again but I did I didn't want to but I do it and I leave the room and I calm down and I go back and I yell at them again and I'm like why did I do that again and I do what I don't want to do and I but but that agrees with the law because I know what is wrong because the law is being broken. So the law, he's like, we know what it is now. And he's like, and it proves that the law is actually good. Because we know that's the spirit convicting our hearts yeah. every time. Yeah. Yes. So it's like that. Yeah. Oh. What's so, so important about the way you put it together, that this is addressed to people who are under the law and counting on the law for their righteousness, but that it applies to us, that we Mm -hmm. see it in our lives, is that we can take this passage and go, well, this is just the way it is. Yeah. We're all slaves to this. This is, you know, this is just chapter seven in action. 
and we give ourselves permission not to go, wait a minute, but I'm not relying on the law for my righteousness, there's more. And that's what the last part of the chapter is about, which I'm sure you're getting to. Yeah. I just think it's easy to abuse this chapter. Mm-hmm. It's really, and it really is, because then we just say, uh, it's my sinful nature. What am I going to do about it? You know, and that's not, and that's not how it is. He's like, no, is. who's going to deliver me from this body of death? You know, <laughs> like also the spirit. If we're trying to walk in the spirit, and the fruit of the spirit is one of the fruits is self control. Like yeah. we are supposed to have that self control over some of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Discipline. So. Back to this point, my wrongdoing shows that the law is good because my action is sinful, which is defined by the law, which is good. Make sense? Okay. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So this is my sinful nature that causes me to sin. Because I know nothing good dwells in me. Okay, chapters 1 and 2. There's nothing good. No one seeks righteousness. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. He's like, even when I knew the good, perfect law, I can't even do it. And he's really saying, I want to do what's right. I want to follow the law. But even if I follow it to all of my ability, I'm not able to do it. Well, you can't fix your own heart, period. Yeah. And you've got to have a transforming yeah, so it's a God that has to transform our hearts. And the law and following legalism will not change your heart. And so this is his point he's trying to make. If we go back to following it and making these steps to follow it, so even when I go, I hear I shouldn't be gossiping, and I try with all of my heart to not gossip. I will be doing good for like a month, right? (laughs) And then it slips back in slowly because it's me doing it and not the Holy Spirit ready to work on that part of my heart. Does that make sense? Yes. So, for I do not do do the good I want, but the evil I do want is what I keep doing. It's the opposite way of saying that. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. The problem here is not the law, but sin. So this whole purpose in this is to prove that it's the problem is sin, not God's holy, righteous, good law. Yeah. All right. Questions? No. <laughs> Just stretching, girl. Any questions? <laughs> no. Good, good, because I don't know if I have any more answers. Okay, verses, let's get the last section, and what time are we at? Awesome, awesome, okay. So I find, we're going to read to the end of the chapter. So I find it to be a law that, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And this is where I feel like we all have been at some point. Wretched man that I am. (laughs) 
Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. (laughs) Then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but not my flesh, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And that's where Ellie's like, that is so discouraging. (laughs) Right? Because you're like, wait, what I can't do anything? What am I supposed to do now? So this is where and Sharon hit it right on the head. This is such an important understanding that what was just described is us living under the law, not living under grace and not living under the Spirit's guidance. And that's the I. So I am serving the law or I am serving the flesh is about the person living under the law. Under the law. Yeah. And that's where I go, I'm reading these commentaries and I'm like, oh, the I is not me right now. The I was me before nor when I lived under the law or when I'm living under legalism. How do I explain this? So, oh. so who is the verse 18, like, like second part I, for I have the desire to do what is right. So there's like two eyes, right? So mm. is that the? So it's not the Holy Spirit. It's Mm-mm. like that's the Holy Spirit in me. I. Who is that? I, I would say that's that's like when when you have when the law has been revealed and you see what is good, you Your do desire it. Your heart yeah. is tender, right? So that's the tender heart mm-hmm. eye, and mm-hmm. then the other one's. The and he's eye. like, it's not a safe person necessarily. It's still the person who's relying on the law. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's the collective eye. So they have the knowledge of what is good, and they say, "Yeah, I want to do that." I want to do that, but I can't well, I do it. I thought you meant after. Oh, so that's not after you're saved and you want to do good. No. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. After you're saved and you want to do good, and you can't do good. <laughs> No. That's that's where you, you allow the no, Lord, Spirit. the Holy Spirit to work on you. Mm-hmm. That's where you you don't wake up the next morning and all right. of my sins are cared for. Right. Chapter 8 mm-hmm. is coming. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's true. And chapter, chapter 8 is the dependence on the Holy Spirit. And what does it look like now? Because he, he goes, he's like, so if... So let's let's go through these verses. So if I find... So I find it to be a law... That when I want to do right, evil is close at hand. So he's like, so when I am not under this, when I'm not under, even this is true even when we're under the Spirit, is that we're tempted, right? So when I want to do what is right, I'm tempted to do That's wrong. That's what I thought. That yeah. So there are aspects of this that is still true in the, in the Christian life, but it's not what defines it. Does that make sense? Right. So, right. Yeah. So... Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering now, is that maybe like, okay, I don't know if this is getting too abstract, but like the image of God in me, like there mm-hmm. is a part that is pure, or no, not even. Not even? No. even like well, the, the tender heart, heart, heart. heart. The tender heart. I think that God gives us the heart. Remember he said he removes the heart of stone and gives Mm -hmm. us a heart of flesh so that we can even reach to him to see what is good. So that's what makes you want to do good because of that tender heart. I mean, right? Or what? We always have temptation. Yeah, that's true. But I thought the good in us that we all have, I mean... Okay, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just like trying to. I I'm just get like, yes, we're sinners. It's like, whoa. Someone talked to her after class. But I mean, like, um, I mean, like, you know, the image of God is that, like, pure part that is the goodness. I'm just trying to, like, parse them. Yeah. You know? So, like, the good that's in me is 
is yeah. God, not not yeah. me, because yeah. I'm completely evil. That yeah, type yeah. Of idea. That sounds good. Right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds correct. You are totally right. I that is good in me is is him and yeah. maybe that yeah like that's his spirit that we're identifying with so that's why he uses the i so even so maybe if we them. if we talk about like the conscience our conscience always bears witness even apart from the law right so the, like yes and so the the our, that's something that god gives yeah, us yes. so that we right. can we can see the difference between what is good and what is not yeah. and we know okay this is good but I can't choose it. <laughs> I want to choose this. Yeah. So, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It, I don't know where the lines are. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not sure it matters where the yeah. lines are. Um. But. Yeah. So, but what we do know is that when, when we want to do right, we're tempted to not do it. So, for. I delight, so he's like, even if I delight in God's law, in my inner being, and this is where I go, we're starting, I feel like he's starting to make this transition into the Christian life, right? And he's like, so I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, that which God has written on my heart, to to follow his law. He's like, I see in my members another law raging waging war against the law of my mind so this law of i'm going to try to follow the law i can't do it because of my sinful nature so even if i was to follow the law to the complete i'm captive to the law of sin that dwells within my members so even when i want to seek god's law the sinful nature is warring against the good law of god that makes sense. I don't know. And then up one twenty one. So that oh. is, I am tempted to do wrong. That temp- temptation is coming from even within yeah. us. Yes. Our sinful nature is from that Adam and Eve. Yeah. Tempting. Yeah. So it's coming. It's coming from. So this we is what. Can't. And this is why we oh, we can't. My own desire is to not do what is good, even when the good thing is put in front of me. See, I always thought that temptation was. It can be ex- our surround. It can be external, but it. But here is talking about the temptation that's internal. I've never just made it internal. Yeah. You know, when it's external, it's something external that's trying to get yes. to that right. which is inside of you that would yes. respond to it. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Outside of me, not yeah. within. Mm. Yeah, because we like to say the devil made me do it. <laughs> he tempted me, or my temptation comes from somewhere else. But truly, God says, no, it's coming from within your own, your temptation is coming from within your own self, and you choose to follow it because it's coming from you. You want it. It's part of you. So this is not talking about spiritual warfare then. No. No, I would not. No, I would say this is not a spiritual warfare passage at all. This is your sinful nature warring against what is God, what God has said is me, this is good, this is righteous, this is holy. And it's my sinful nature inside of me. And this is why Paul says, wretched man that I am. 
because my response, my only response to that is like, I cannot do anything. Right? Which is what repeated from the first five chapters. So. I think it's really important to actually look at it this way instead of saying the devil made me do it. Or like, yeah. it certainly couldn't have been me. Because then we don't feel we need a savior nearly as much. If yeah. we feel like, oh, it really isn't me, it's something else. It's an outward force, it's spiritual warfare. But when we know wretched man that I am, that yeah. I need to It's like here. I actually want to join forces with these external temptations yeah. because that's what's already there. Right. You know? Otherwise, yeah. it's just Satan that needs a savior, right? Right, right. <laughs> So, and he said, and then this is where the hope comes. He's like, who's going to deliver me from this? He's, and this is where he's saying, he, this is our, his transition. He's like, I can't do this. I want to serve... With my mind, I want to follow God's law. But what actually happens, what is the flesh, the members of my body, these things, what comes out is that I'm truly following sin. And he's like, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ in him that we are able to live in the spirit. And I'm just going to read um, the first verse of of chapter 8 because it's in, I, yeah and this is where he this is where he's going therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Jesus Christ the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death Okay, my sinful nature is saying, why did God do this to us without it through Adam and Eve? Why did he create each one of us to, um, and then give us a commandment not to eat the fruit of the tree? Mm -hmm. And knowing that he created us, we have the sinful nature. I mean, we've been going through this for millions and millions of years, and... It, it just seems to be uglier and uglier. Right? So you, the question, you go, why did God create us then if he knew we were going to sin? Why would he give us the opportunity to sin, right? Mm-hmm. These are... He wants, to save us. He, wants to, he wants us to choose him, right? So we have... Or he chooses us, wait. Yeah, right? Yeah, he does. He chooses, <laughs> he chooses us. He chooses us. But I mean, he wants us to... Doesn't he want us to need him? To so this is the... This is the... the that debate, which um, I'm not going to be here for, but these guys have yeah. to be here. <laughs> 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 so you <laughs> But this difference between God's will and human responsibility. God created us because he desired to have us being created. <laughs> and he loved us, but he knew that he couldn't create us just to follow without question. In order to love, you have to have choice to follow, to love. And so there, he gave them a choice to follow. But God knew that they were going to sin even before he created them. And you go, could he just have let them live with just saying, we're not, I'm not even going to give you this tree, and, I'm not, and you're just going to do everything I say? He didn't want that. He wanted them to choose to love him. Our free will. Yeah. We just be created, and we have no choice but to love him. And that would be like creating robots, and that's yeah. not what he wanted. He wanted that relationship, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, remember, he's outside of time, so he 
He knows what his end is going to be, that he is going to restore and that he is going to ultimately remove sin. And, and so, and he likes, he lives by his character. So in order to show his character, he is good, he is just, he is wrathful. He, and so all of these things declare who he is also through, our, through his creation, which is us. So it's not an easy answer, and that was very short, and we could probably talk about it for a couple of days or weeks, or and there's volumes that have been written on it. And there's what the, Mike, I always go, why did God create us? I don't get it. If he knew we were going to sin, why would he allow us that option? All I know is that he did. <laughs> And this is where we are today. So. Even though by Genesis 3, he's saying, why did I create these people? <laughs> and that's his, that's, his, that's his heart, because he wants that relationship with us. And so, But he knew, he knew what he would do in order to restore his people. So. And he doesn't make any mistakes. I guess it's just sad to me, because you look at these people who have never had the guidance of uh, God and, and Jesus in their life. Yeah. And you have people in, in prison that just, they don't understand it. Yeah. And they've never been explained that. And now they're... He writes on the hearts though, right? Yeah. Do, you, do you know what you're, you are, you are talking chapter 10. <laughs> and you're not going to be here? <laughs> you're talking chapter 10. He says, how can people know this? If no one goes, if no one is speaking to them with it, no one, and this is this is the great passage, and this is why we have missionaries. That's why you're going. Is that, why, is that, is that why we're supposed to? How we're supposed to, to nurture? Love one another? Yeah, That's and we, it's yeah, it's reckoned we are we are ambassadors of Christ to bring people. The, we're the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile people to God, and God uses us to help reconcile the people in our lives to back to God. So, But the people that haven't had the missionaries and are off in the boonies, they look at the trees and the sky, and right. they, it's written on their heart. You know what I mean? It's not like they're not going to, you know. Right, but the missionaries are there to, for the people, that, and to nurture, and to we are, grow. So in... In, in chapter 10, I'm just going to read it quick, and I, I know we're, I'm just 